Oh, that's so cool. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Puget Systems podcast. As you saw in our brand new fancy intro, today we have uh, special guests, the entire labs team. Right? This is a. not uncommon, but usually we only do this for big product launches, which is kind of the deal today. Um, what was it? Earlier this week on March 2nd, it was the official date that everybody could start to sell the Threadripper Pro. We've kind of been anticipating this for a while. Um, <laughs> hey, Ludo. <laughs> um, How did that switch? But that's why we have everybody here. Uh, we're going to talk about... Um, you know, the platform, the things that the features and stuff, uh, testing results, all that good jazz. Um, and as I like to do, everybody go ahead and give yourself a little bit of an introduction. Don, you, since you're in the upper corner there, um, well, we'll do you first. All righty. Uh, Dr. Kinghorn, Dr. Don, or Don, Don, um, <laughs> the scientific computing advisor here at uh, Puget Systems. And uh, I'm a computer nerd, just like everybody else here. <laughs> I have the best use cases for Threadripper Pro, probably. We'll yeah, it'll just be a Dawn stream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, I'm Matt. Um, so like everyone else here, I do a lot of hardware testing. My specialty is in like video and photos. So think like the Adobe Suite, DaVinci Resolve is a big one, um, and just everything that goes along with those. So Threadripper Pro... Uh, there's some interesting ones, I, I think, with mine, like some interesting use cases I didn't expect. And so the, it's some interesting stuff once we get to uh, into the details. Next. I just realized you guys couldn't hear me when I removed myself. <laughs> so, uh, okay, we I'll, like to see you. I'll stay here. Uh, William, you're up next. Okay. Uh, so I'm William. I've uh, been around here for a long time and just recently sort of kind of moved out of labs. I'm, I'm tangentially adjacent to them now but uh handling our platform design like what uh what's configurations we're selling and stuff so these guys do all the testing and figure out what works the best and then i put those together into configurations for our consultants to sell right on and kelly all right i'm kelly jeez i'm the um I guess 3D guy is probably the best way to say it now because I cover um, game design, 3D rendering, 3D modeling, animation, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Awesome. Well, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys very much. Um, I guess where should we start? Like features and stuff? What's the big deal with Threadripper Pro? Sure, I I can take on. So I I think Threadripper Pro, uh, because you've got Threadripper and Threadripper Pro, and I think the best way to think about it is the same way of thinking like Intel X-Series versus Xeon in in some ways, uh, where it's like the workstation class uh, product from AMD. Uh, AMD historically hasn't really had much in the way of like workstation CPUs. They've had the workstation GPUs, but not really CPUs. So this is kind of their Xeon equivalent. Um, And I think the main things it has in it that makes it different than Threadripper uh, cause like CPU performance is actually not one of it. Like the core count is essentially goes up to the same amount as Threadripper. Um, but the main differences I think are, um, it supports eight channel memory. So twice the memory bandwidth theoretically. Um, and it's, since it supports registered ECC, you can actually do two terabytes of RAM, which right now, if you wanted to do a Xeon, you had to get like a, a special Xeon M or something that's like absurdly expensive. So it's a really cool way to get a whole lot of RAM if you need it. Um, and the eight channel memory should make it much better for uh, workloads that are memory bound, which I think a lot of 
Don's stuff is, um, and and some other stuff uh, as well. Um, let's see, what else is a big advantage? Um, you guys were talking had, about PCI lanes. Before. Yeah, PCIe lanes. So it supports 128 PCIe lanes, uh, Gen 4, which is frankly kind of a nuts amount. Um, and honestly, I don't know how many people are even going to use it because if you're doing four GPUs, that's 64 lanes because it's 16, 16, 16, 16. So that's mm-hmm. 64 lanes. And here we have double that amount, which I, I guess is great. It, it leaves a lot of room for like M.2 or NVMe drives, I suppose. Um, yeah, but yeah. we also have... Sorry, go ahead, Don. Yeah, yeah. Some some of those lanes actually get used internally. Oh, okay. For for the communication between the chiplets. So some of them wind up in there. Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't neat. realize that. Yeah. But but the other thing that's funny with PCIe lanes, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit in even more detail, is that um, right now we can't do four GPUs. Like it's not possible because the power draw is too high. Unless you're doing like low end GPUs, but then at that point, like. I think it's usually better to try to do fewer higher-end GPUs than more low-end GPUs. So, like, you can't do four A6000s or RTX 3090s, both because power draw and because all of those cards are discontinued, the blower-style cards. Um, so, really, the, the limit that we have right now is three GPUs, which is only 48 lanes. And now we have this platform that is 128. So, like, it's, it's huh. great that we don't have to worry about PCIe lanes anymore, which... That that's its own benefit, I think. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, so wow. there's those two, and then I, I think the last the last one, which is kind of I think the one that's most up in the air because we don't really know, is workstation class hardware. It's supposed to be more reliable. Um, that's true with Xeon versus Core. It's true with Quadro versus GeForce. Uh, it, it's it's supposed to be more reliable with Threadripper Pro, but mm-hmm. since it's a new thing. We don't know. Like we've we've been having uh, issues with our qualification. Like if you go on our website, you'll see we're not selling it yet, even though we're we were allowed to start selling it three days ago. It's because right. we're still having uh, some bumps in our qualification that we haven't made it through. So that's why we're not selling it yet. But that's that's like motherboard stuff, and on a completely new product like that, like this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's all that unusual for there to be these little road bumps. So, like, long-term reliability, I we just don't know, but it's supposed to be more reliable long-term. Nice. All right. And well, I guess I covered some of the intro stuff to why we aren't selling and things like that. Uh, <laughs> I wonder, I guess, let's, I guess we'll just start with Don, too. Um, you've been playing around with this cpu for a while um you said you had you probably had the more interesting applications for it so uh would would go into a little depth on that yeah uh well yeah i do uh i was really excited about uh seeing this thing and actually i wasn't going to do any testing on this until like next week at the earliest but so i haven't spent a lot of time on it i spent a day (laughs) i had like 24 hours and i'll tell you what I had that thing burning for 24 hours. Nice. I had stuff running all night, cranking on it. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's very impressive. For from my perspective, mm-hmm. Threadripper Pro is epic ROM for workstations. Okay. I mean, this is it's really um, pretty much the equivalent of uh, you know of the the corresponding uh, epic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but this really does, like Matt mentioned, this uh, answers the uh, problem of really having the 3060 Ti. <laughs> <laughs> Downsides of working at the office. You got to put a sign on the door. Live, streaming. Right? Go away. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, uh, super, super good. Um, uh, 
you know, a good workstation product. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so definitely excited about that. Lots and lots of cores, single socket, which is, is nice for a lot of things. It's, um, um, really good. And then the memory is just, the memory is the biggest deal, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, probably. Yeah, two the, um, ah. Well, and the eight channels. So having yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The eight channels of memory. This is this doubles the uh, the number of memory channels. So this is the same thing you would have on an Epic. Wow. Um, and uh, there is. It's unfortunate that it, it's hard to really know ahead of time what applications are going to be memory bound. Mm-hmm. But man, when they are. It's serious bottleneck. Um, well, and it's not like on because like some consumer platforms like okay, you need more memory speed. You just get higher speed RAM. You basically are overclocking your RAM. You can't do that with like registered ECC memory. That's like counter to how it works. Mm-hmm. So having oh, yeah. like so so yeah. having more channels is really the only way to get higher performance. Yeah, and when you need that. It's a showstopper, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm, I've got results that that clearly show that uh, just from my testing, like uh, uh, yesterday. The um, yeah, um, Rome for workstations. Uh, yeah, and I definitely have the best use cases. the 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 strongest use case is going to be uh, HPC memory bound codes. Okay. That's going to include things that a lot of times that are like solvers, right? Simulations, kind of typical kind of uh, HPC kind of workloads, traditional workloads. Um, uh, I've got a, a friend that's that does does some really fantastic work with uh, plasma ejection from the, the solar corona and stuff like that. He's got a really great simulation for that. It's highly memory bound. Okay. Okay. It's it's um, yeah. What what they call a stencil operations. It's where you have a lot of communication um, between stuff all over a grid. You know, between okay. na- neighbors and stuff in a grid. That's a very common problem. In it for a lot of kind of simulation work, and um, and and th- that's so important actually that on the top 500 supercomputers, right? They they are ranked by high performance Linpack. Okay. okay, yeah, pretty, that's where you really get those big gigaflop, petaflop, exaflop numbers, right? Right. Um, and that's solving a system of, of equations is what that's doing. But they've added a, the second ranking, the second benchmark, and a lot of people consider it more important, is this HPCG, this uh, high performance conjugate gradient. Okay. And this is like this is like a multi this is like a grid solver kind of problem. It's highly memory bound. Okay. And it's typical for a lot of applications. And um, for for uh, HPCG, the Threadripper Pro is double the performance of Threadripper. Okay, wow. so that's 64 core uh, Threadripper Pro versus the uh, Threadripper is twice as fast. Yeah, you actually haven't heard of that, price. right? Yeah, I do. Um, oh, I think I yeah, have it up, Houston, if, if you want to mind. If you want to throw them up, go ahead and, and put them up. These are just some preliminary charts. Um, and yeah, that's the HPC conjugate gradient right there. Um, so I don't. It's whoever's typing. Mute yourself. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I. Um, this is just preliminary stuff. I probably will add some other results in there, and I'm, oh, cool. I'm 
I'm trying to use uh, our new logo and our new colors and stuff in here. <laughs> so I have the Threadripper Pro in blue, which is maybe a little eyebrow raising. Dark, the dark blue, the light blue. <laughs> yeah, I've got oh, it in Intel and dark blue, and I've got okay. um, uh, other uh, AMD and green. But the, that top result up there is the, a dual epic Rome. Hmm, okay. okay, so so that thing just kills for HPCG because that's right. a total of 16 memory channels. Wow. You know, it's a dual. But if you look at the Threadripper Pro, yeah, it's like half of that dual. I mean, so it sure. is essentially the same performance you have on Epic. Wow. Well, and it's quite a bit higher than the 3990, the normal Threadripper. It's oh, yeah, it's double, double it. It's double. And that's, that's got to be just from the double memory channel, right? Because the, yeah, the yeah. CPU itself the is, channel. if anything, slightly slower than the 3990. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this is this stuff, uh, it peaks out actually at 16 cores of usage hmm. on both of those. <laughs> okay, it, this does a funny curve in performance. It, it goes up, and like the, the thread rippers go up, and then they just go boom huh. <laughs> they go nowhere the uh, uh the epic it goes up and it stays up and it keeps it does keep on going but it it, it actually gave me a peak as at the same number of cores at the same 16. Huh. Um, so that actually brings up a good question we had someone in the chat ask yeah. if the lower core count uh threadripper pros also have eight channel memory oh this one they, we do, right? Yeah. I'm pretty so, sure they're all eight channel. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. So in something like that, if you really only need 16 cores, you could get away with a less expensive CPU, maybe? Maybe. Still have all the memory bandwidth? Maybe. If this is a highly parallel application. Okay, so I'm not 100% sure here. Uh, but that, uh, I've got a bucket load of testing to do. Okay. All right. Um, but I, anyway, I, just, I just I just double checked and AMD's official specs say even the 3945WX is eight memory channels eight. So it's cool. It's yeah, all that's like 16 channels. cores with eight channels, right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I'm actually really looking forward to trying that. I, I definitely have some targeted use cases there. Um, yeah. So it's so for for that kind of that kind of workload. Yeah, it's, this is great. This is very, very good for for uh, on on a workstation side. Nice. Um, the other thing that is really strong. Um, another result that I got, I have got the best uh, uh, NAND molecular dynamics mm. results that I've ever gotten. Uh, so, and that was it, it's very, very good CPU alone. But this that CPU, and I had ran it with uh, two uh, NVIDIA A6000 GPUs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's killer. It's very, very good. It, for for that kind of code, it has a mixture of CPU and GPU, and they need to be balanced. And I think there's enough CPU performance here to probably support the third GPU hmm. and just really be like all of the hardware slamming during these simulations. So that's another, that's a, I'm going to do some serious testing on molecular dynamics in general, including more than just my usual NAMD testing. Right on. We have uh, some really so those are my two biggie good ones. I'm going to cut in real quick. We have a couple of good questions from YouTube that I want to touch on real fast. Ellis, uh, L- Elisar, LSR, who uh, will Windows 10 Pro be able to handle the 128 threads or will Windows Pro for workstation be needed? Oh, I don't think question. there's any limitations for PCIe. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, it should, William's be, muted. It should be fine. Oh. He 
He's talking about threads, not uh, not PCI Express lanes, but no, oh, Windows sorry. 10 Pro works just fine with. Cool. It's just like Threadripper right now. Uh, you're fine on Windows 10 um, Pro. Cool. I think there, there was some scheduling a, things originally, but I think that's been resolved. Yeah, and there might be a memory capacity limitation in Pro. I don't know. I'm trying to find. So Windows 10 Pro SERP supports two physical CPUs and two terabytes of RAM. So oh, you're fine. Right at the max there. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Which, I mean, really doing two terabytes of RAM, that means you're going to be using, what, 256 gig sticks? Is that right? Or 128 gig sticks? Because most of them will have eight. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be a very yeah, that expensive. Would be, that would be an extreme if, use case. If you're yeah. worrying about whether you need to pay a little bit of money for Windows 10 Workstation or Enterprise, yeah, it's, not it's probably not <laughs> a concern. $25,000 in RAM is, yeah. I think, okay. <laughs> and then yeah. also, uh, they went on to ask uh, for media applications like Maya and Media Composer, is ECC RAM needed or will non-ECC RAM suffice? Nope. You don't need it for either of those. No. But no. well, you do yeah. need it for Threadripper Pro, don't you? Doesn't it require... To get, only to get that capacity. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. ECC is a funny thing. It's just like Xeon versus Core or whatever, where technically it should be more reliable because they can solve some errors. So if you're talking about like a mission critical, you know, where any downtime costs you, you know, thousands of dollars, it's not a bad idea. The problem is usually to get ECC, you would have to get a CPU that gives you lower performance. Um, that's changing now with Threadripper Pro. So Threadripper Pro is just kind of you get you can have both, which oh. is nice. Yes. And those are really high quality memory modules too. Mm-hmm. Right. Registered ECC has like really low failure rate. Awesome. Um, but yeah, the other um, uh, the other other use case that I have not uh, you know diving in dived into yet is machine learning. Okay. Um, machine learning, AI, that kind of workload. And yeah, I'm for things that are. Um, uh, th- there's all kinds of, of places where you need lots of cords, lots of parallelism, and lots of memory, good memory access. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of data science kind of side of it uh, for um, uh, AI, for model training, yeah. deep learning kind of things. Um, that's that's generally very, very uh, uh, dependent on GPU performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, GPU, And I'm expecting that that 16-core Threadripper Pro with as many GPUs as we can actually get in there (laughs) without going overpowered. GPUs are way, they're too much, drawn too much power right now. Yeah, it's crazy. But we'll we'll see, you know, how, but anyway, that's probably just going to be a fantastic platform for that. I think um, Mm -hmm. uh, definitely looking forward to trying that. Uh, I don't know if the memory channels will help in there, but the Mm -hmm. memory channels and the uh, version 4 PCIe are big pluses actually for the data streaming to the GPUs. Cool. So, um, I I have uh, I don't, I don't want to go too long uh, because we man we're all here. I, I have just a few downsides that I want to mention. Sure. Okay. This is this is Zen two. Okay. Okay. So this is like Epic Epic Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same cores. Well. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but the uh, <laughs> but there's there's no the it's AVX uh, AVX two fifty six AVX two. Okay. It uh, Intel still has an advantage on things that are highly vectorized that take advantage of AVX five twelve. <laughs> okay, and that there's places and and that shows up definitely in the uh, HPL Limpack 
that I did. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, the, the performance on Threadripper Pro is great, but uh, that's a place where uh, Intel MKL library, mm-hmm. okay, that thing is insanely optimized. And on Intel hardware, that coupled with the uh, uh, wide vector unit, mm-hmm. yeah, that's for applications that do that. Yeah, that's a serious, serious plus. Real world, a lot of times stuff, the, you know, even if it's using it, there's enough going on that it's, you know, not critical. But when it is, yeah, it makes a big difference. Uh, other downside, well, one, we probably weren't going to be able to do quad GPUs just because power requirements. Ah! Yeah, that's not Threadripper <laughs> Pro, though. That's NVIDIA. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, uh, hey, AMD, if you're listening, what we need is a really good <laughs> workstation compute GPU with a blower on it. Okay, so give me an MI100 with a blower. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the other thing, the only other downside that I want to mention, and I do want to mention it, is that I have to do a lot of work when I test on AMD because I, I actually compiled. I used the AMD compiler, the mm-hmm. AOCC uh, CLANG-based uh, compiler to uh, build some of the stuff that I w- was testing on. Uh, I, I tried to, I used the Bliss library, their library. Uh, their developer ecosystem around all of that stuff is pretty minimal. Mm. Um, and this is a place where, like, Intel, with their one API initiative, they're, they're really they're really doing some significant work there and it's really great. NVIDIA of course is the definition of a high-end uh, ecosystem. Right. So so AMD has some catching up to do there. I think it'll be a good year for AMD because of the uh, uh, Oak Ridge supercomputer going in uh, Frontier. That uh, I think that will bring a lot of community development together and th- it's already happening. Uh, I've already, there's already an AMD port for um, for AMD GPU, hmm. okay, and there's also a TensorFlow port and a, a PyTorch port, okay. So a lot of work is going on, so things will things will improve. But I'll I'll shut out because everybody, we need to get everybody in here. Yeah. I mean, I got some. I like the processor a lot. I, I give and, at this point, I give it a thumbs up. I want the platform to stabilize before I can actually make a recommendation on it. Right on. And I do think in a few weeks we'll be solo with you. So you'll have yeah, all, yeah. The, all the extra testing and stuff and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be exciting. All right. Uh, how about you, Matt? What's what's new with you? Oh, sure. Or do you want to get through some of those questions? Oh, there, like we've got um, Just there was a few uh, about the Windows 10 Pro. Oh, I guess okay. Jonathan Patton on YouTube. Do you expect Zen 3 based Threadrippers soon? Should we wait? Uh-huh. I haven't heard anything about that. And if we knew, it would be NDA, so we couldn't yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, because Threadripper isn't that old, the current Threadripper. So, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't expect it anytime soon. I wouldn't wait. There's always something to wait for. Well, right. especially Threadripper Pro. Like, oh, they're going to lag. Most of the rollouts on these CPUs are usually consumer first. Three to six months later, like work high-end desktop level, so like normal Threadripper, and then like three to six months after that, server and workstation, which would be like Epic Threadripper Pro. So Zen 3 hit consumer stuff, what, in like November, wasn't it? September or something late last year. So probably sometime this year, normal Threadripper, who knows on Threadripper Pro Zen 3, like... 
who yeah. knows? But there's like, like I was saying, there's always something coming around the corner. If you wait for the next big thing in computers, you will literally never buy one. You <laughs> yeah. get one when yeah. you need it. Especially these days. System <laughs> is getting long in the tooth or when you have the right stuff in your budget for it, don't try to wait forever. Because yeah, right now, even if you wait a week, there might not be supply. <laughs> yes. That is also true. These days, you got to think about, like, buy now for something to arrive two months from now. That's so. true. Uh, another good question from YouTube. Meister High asks, I have a problem in Cinema 4D and Redshift that in complex scenes, my RTX 2060 is utilized up to 50%. Could my CPU be the bottleneck? Um... Not sure if it's only being used utilized up to fifty percent. I'm not sure what the bottleneck would be. Yeah, you got to be careful. Sorry, go for a moment. GPU utilization metrics in yeah. Windows are not the greatest. Like if you go into Task Manager, you can see about twenty different ways to look at GPU mm-hmm. utilization, and mm-hmm. no single one of them is going to give you the whole picture. If right. you're doing a rendering in Redshift with a modern NVIDIA GPU. No, the CPU is not a bottleneck. It's sending everything over to the GPU and the GPU is doing it. Um, so you're even if it's not showing full utilization, it's getting utilized. Just sitting in Cinema 4D, though, when you're modeling and things like that, your GPU isn't going to be used all that heavily. Yeah, it's probably I.O. bound. The, the, you're, you're limited. The GPUs are so fast that a lot of times you're you're just limited by uh, data transfer to and from the GPU. Wow. And, and that's so a... you will often see lower utilization. There's nothing you can do about it. And But it also, it's you have to be uh, getting clock resolution on the performance, like really, really fine to see that hit, thing hit up there to that 100%. But I'm pretty sure, I can almost guarantee you that it is hitting 100%. Usually in, in rendering, it's not shuffling back and forth constantly. It shuffles everything to the GPU. The GPU does all the work for however long the render is and then spits out a frame. Um, but if you are like open up task manager and then go to your GPU, there's a bunch of different boxes that shows up and you can switch them around. Usually um, a lot of times 3D is not being utilized fully, but if you switch it to like graphics one or CUDA, depending on the engine, those will show up as maxed up, but they don't show up by default. Um, So there could be different things. And if it's your VRAM that's only been used 50%, then it's not a very complex scene because that's a pretty small uh, bucket for a 2060. Cool, I hope that helped. Awesome. I think that gets us caught up there. So yeah, what have you got, Matt? Oh, so I've got a couple of interesting ones. I don't know if you want to switch to my Holy screen because I actually have shares. Yeah. I, I can just show the article. So all, all of these, if you want to go into more detail, um, you can always go to our, our website and then go to publications and articles, HTC blogs and all that. So th- there's a ton of content in there. Uh, but what I found was really interesting. Um, so I haven't done multi-GPU testing much yet. Um, Multi-GPU is kind of where, one of the rough things that we're having right now with Threadripper Pro. But I was surprised. Like in DaVinci Resolve, Threadripper Pro was a good amount faster than Threadripper. Like in the 1700 to 1550, oh, I probably said how much percentage. But that's probably like 10% or so. Like that's not a bad performance gain considering the CPU is virtually identical, if not a little bit slower. So that's all just from the memory 
the memory wow. um, increase Extra and the, yeah, going up to eight channels. And that's only also, again, with only one GPU, um, the more memory channels should become better or, or more critical as you add more GPUs. Um, oh, and I got into, there, there are some cases where it was like absurdly better and I don't know <laughs> why, um, but like it went from like 120 FPS up to 160. Like that's a massive gain or 50 FPS to 80. Like that's wow. huge. And I don't yeah. know why, but it must again be because of the memory channels. So Resolve, even on a CPU level, it's giving some good performance and that's not taking cool. into account again, like the more PCIe lanes, which honestly probably won't really come into play because you only will ever do triple GPU and Resolve anyway, because you still need um, like a deck link card. So that's going to take up one of those slots anyway. Yeah. Um, what else? Premiere Pro. Uh, oh, I actually did change. Premiere Pro is kind of similar, um, just straight performance gain with Rotor Pro, which is weird wow. and interesting. Um, so that that's great. Uh, an interesting one there is actually the 16 core Threadripper Pro is faster than the 16 core Ryzen, which I didn't expect. Um, mm -hmm. Ryzen has better single threaded performance or per core performance. So I expected Ryzen to kind of be in line with that that 16 core Threadripper Pro. So the Threadripper Pro has the more memory channels. The Ryzen has more single core performance. I expected them to be about the same, but nope, apparently it's more memory bound than I expected. So that's great. The, the really weird one is After Effects, actually. So After oh. Effects, it is not single threaded, or, or sorry, it is super single threaded. Yeah. That, that's why you see that like this 5950X here is at the very mm -hmm. top. And I know that the Ryzen CPUs are just gonna blow everything out of the water. Um, it blows out of the water anything from Intel, blows out, you know, Threadripper, Threadripper Pro. And you'll actually see that Threadripper Pro and Threadripper are basically the same. Like the the lower core count ones are here. 64 core ones are worse performance because those have uh, those higher core count CPUs have worse per core performance. And since you can't benefit from all those extra cores in After Effects right now, they just are worse. They're more expensive and slower. Uh, but what's really, really interesting is uh, After Effects, you highly benefit from having a ton of RAM. Uh, it doesn't show up in benchmarks like this because basically what it is, uh, you can, you can uh, switch back to everyone again. Uh, but basically what it is, is every single frame, when you render it, it stores it into RAM and then moves to the next frame, stores it into RAM. So every single frame you store or you render is stored into RAM so that if you like go backwards in your timeline, it doesn't have to re-render that first frame. It's just already there because nothing's changed. So you can just pull it out of memory so it doesn't have to take a second to re-render. And so having the more, more RAM you have, the more frames can be stored in RAM preview, the less likely you need to re-render stuff. So that like just dramatically improves performance across everything. So with Threadripper Pro, yeah, you can have two terabytes of RAM, which is a little absurd, but there's workflows where that actually can be beneficial. Uh, but also since Ryzen, Ryzen is the, the fastest for rendering, but it only supports 128 gigs of RAM, which to most people is a ton of RAM. To yeah. VFX and motion graphics stuff, it's, I would call it high end, but it's not like extreme. Um, so you can go up to Threadripper and get 256, or you can go up to Threadripper Pro and get two terabytes. But 
because Threadripper Pro has a 16 core model that's mm -hmm. lower or that's less expensive than any of the Threadrippers, because Threadripper starts at 24 cores and more mm -hmm. expensive, you can actually get about well, I'm not sure how it works out in terms of exact price because Threadripper Pro motherboards, I'm sure, are more expensive. Uh, William, you might have an idea of how like it compare price-wise, but you should be able to get about the same cost, about the same performance using a 16-core Threadripper Pro versus a 24-core Threadripper. But hey, now you can do two terabytes of RAM. Now you've got 128 gigs or 128 PCIe lanes. You've got the workstation class reliability and all that jazz. So Threadripper Pro is like surprisingly good for After Effects, even though like all of those extra cores don't matter, all of those extra PCIe lanes don't matter, and, and all that. Like it might actually be that we'll end up selling Ryzen. And then Threadripper Pro, and just skip over Threadripper entirely, just because that 16 core model. So it's nice. really weird. <laughs> so I want to I want to touch. This is two two people are asking us a very similar question. Um, Robert Gibson asks, any idea why the 12 core and the 64 core are both spec'd at using up to 280 watts? And then related, random slurpiness asks, did you find the 16 core Threadripper Pro utilize the full 280 watt TDP? Well, so this is the wrong team for the question about power utilization. Okay. Uh, our hardware qualification guys would be the ones who are actually sitting there measuring wattage from the wall during these tests and things. Uh, we can probably I, try I and did. find out from them at some point. I actually was asking, uh, Josh is our guy who does that stuff. I was actually asking him this morning because we were oh. looking at, can we do, or should we be able to do quad A6000s? And the answer was with the 3995WX, the 64 core, and three A6000, it was 1,400 watts and change. So the answer is no, there's no chance we're going to be able to do quad. But then I asked them too, uh, the same question about like, well, what about the lower end SKUs? They're supposed to be the same TDP, but I, I never believe TDP because I just don't believe them yeah. because they're all based off of who knows what base clock when nothing runs a base clock. Uh, and he was saying that threader for the TDPs actually appear to be pretty accurate. Um, he expected maybe those lower end SKUs would see 30 to 40 watts uh, lower power draw, um, but probably not much more than that. So yeah, apparently, yeah, they're actually are fairly close. Uh, I close enough that I don't know if I would really consider them all that much different in terms of like cooling and power draw. <laughs> This is a good one. I don't think we've ever touched on this topic, and I wonder what you guys have to say about this. Any tips to help suits management approve switching over to Threadripper Pro from Xeon? So, like, how do you convince your purchaser to make a yeah. change? That's a tough one. It's, And I think it's an especially tough one right now because the main yeah. reason you'd be carrying Xeon or using Xeon is for the reliability. Yeah. And Threadripper Pro is a new platform. It's... I don't know if I'd really call it unproven, but we don't know exactly what the reliability is going to be like because it's new. Mm -hmm. um, you can approach it from a ROI standpoint. Like if you're, if you're, you know, hopefully we have benchmarks to back it up, but you could always probably back it up with benchmarks from Tom's Hardware and Antec. You know, probably don't use their gaming benchmarks, but they have a lot of them have productivity ones, and, and find a bunch of those ones and compare the performance of Xeon versus Threadripper Pro. And then use that as a way to calculate like your ROI. Because uh, in some of mine, like oh, I don't know, uh, DaVinci Resolve, like the Xeons that we were testing were way lower. Let, let, let me do a quick. Uh, 
the Xeons we were testing, or the Threadripper Pro was about 30% faster than Xeon. And so if you take a look at it that way and say, hey, I can finish my exports 30% faster, and that will save me X minutes a day, that'll let me take on other jobs, then you can kind of calculate an ROI. I mean, that's just a general thing. That's not really Threadripper Pro versus Xeon, but that's probably the way to approach it right now because reliability side is um, a little up in the air, I would say. Right on. And I think we mentioned this a little earlier, but let's let's touch this on this again. LSR who is asking, are you shipping Threadripper Pro systems now? If not, when? We're not shipping it now, and we'll ship it when it works. <laughs> it it mostly works right now. Uh, the main hurdles we're still having, I don't think, is actually Threadripper, like the AMD side of Threadripper. Um, it's the... Uh, I don't even know if I'd call it consumer, but like the 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 motherboards that we have access to, like a Zeus Gigabyte, um, they've got some issues that we're still working through. Hopefully, they're just BIOS level issues. They just need a BIOS update. You know, we're we're, we're working with all of them, and we're working with AMD to try to get them fixed. But we don't launch products until all of those bugs are fixed. <laughs> so yeah, and it's particularly around multi GPU support. Like one GPU seems to be working fine. Two even in most cases, although we had some weird issues on the one of the boards with NVLink not wanting to work uh, with certain GPUs in two configurations, but then uh, three and four GPUs are definitely giving us some weird behavior. So mm. we just got to work through those and make sure that, you know, especially on a platform like this, where like one of the selling points is the PCI Express lanes, we're going to have customers wanting two and three GPU configurations. Four looks like it's probably not doable from wattage, but we just still need to know we can put three GPUs and like a 10 gig card or something like that in for these people. And uh, until we can reliably do that and not have weird issues cropping up, we don't want to be offering it to customers because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, all the performance in the world doesn't help if the system doesn't work. And even if yeah. we only offer one GPU and start selling it right now, so many of those customers are going to put in multiple GPUs and then just go straight to support and then... <laughs> Yeah. causes more problems. Yeah. So we'd rather get it fixed before we ship them out. Well, and, and we don't want to sell a system with one GPU, even if you're always going to use that, because we don't know which motherboard we're going to carry. We don't want to carry multiple boards. It's a big deal to us to carry one motherboard when we can, because that really streamlines our purchasing process, our production process, support especially, especially mm -hmm. when they're from two different brands. That's two different engineering contacts we have to go to if there's an issue. So we're just waiting until we get these ironed out and we know which board we're going to carry. Um, you can always, you know, talk to any of our consultants and, you know, I, I'm, I know all of them have a list of people who are waiting. Um, so you, you can just get on, on on that list. And once we get it figured out, we'll get you a quote. Yep. And we'll, we'll In go fact, there. we have a landing page where you can be notified when we will uh, have Threadripper Pro workstations available. So um, I don't have, I'll pull that up and put it in the chat here in just a moment. But, um, oh, here's a good intro here. LSR's got a great, another, another great question. What kind of customer seems most interested, or I suppose if they haven't showed much interest, who would, do you think uh, would be interested in the Threadripper Pro systems, entertainment, scientific, business? I don't know on our consulting side who specifically, like they would know which sort of customers have been asking but um, I know among them have been folks who were doing rendering stuff uh, both CPU side rendering and then also people wanting multi-GPU platforms um, as well as I think there have been some scientific ones yeah mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. So, and we'll for sure use it for DaVinci Resolve, and we might use it for After Effects. So there's there's some in like a video editing kind of world. Premiere Pro is kind of a weird one, uh, but I, I think there'll be some use in the entertainment industry as well. The thing is, there is a price premium for Threadripper Pro. So a lot of times in the uh, M&E space, like there's a lot tighter budgets a lot of times. So they might not uh, be able to go up to Threadripper Pro. Because if the performance benefit is 5 or 10%, eh, it might not be enough to warrant yeah. the, what would it probably be, like uh, $2,500 or $3,500 price bump. I, I don't know if that's exactly what it's going to be, but something like that. Wow. We have another good question. This one from Twitch. Chedwin J. Evans asks, L1 cache gets smaller as core count reduces. Do you know how much does the L1 cache size affect programs like Resolve, After Effects, and Blender? And it's not just the L1 cache. It's all the caches, I think, get smaller uh, on the, mm -hmm. the smaller chip ones. It is, I believe the way these are designed internally is with chiplets that have the cache on the chiplets. So you have fewer cores, you have fewer chiplets, you have less cache. As for the impact of that, I will let the other guys talk. I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, a lot of that stuff, there, there are so many different things that go into performance. It's the same Kind of the same answer when people ask, well, does frequency matter or core count? And like, it's, yes, it matters. How much is such a big unknown? Because like, if you want to compare two CPUs, like Thread Pro, Thread Pro or whatever, it's not just the cache that's different. You have the memory channels that are different. The CPU speeds are different. Um, so we usually just look at things as a whole. Um, and we just look at, okay, well, this CPU, it performs this way. And yeah. whatever, that's the result. I wonder how you would, test that because like yeah there you can't you can't have a 12 core processor that has you know x cache and then the 12 core processor that has y more mm -hmm. you know without it's, changing a bunch of other things yeah it's the high level cache not the low level cache more like l3 that you could possibly see some uh difference because that's a, a shared cache it's a higher level cache <laughs> so you're going to have more on a higher core count processor and that could come into play with something like um what i was talking about for hpcg mm -hmm. you know even though it, it's like hitting really nice at 16 cores that may be balanced because it's got that uh that big l3 cache mm. plus the memory channels and a lot of times when i run parallel jobs if i if it's message passing i will add a a, a directive that's bind to cache mm. okay so so yeah it, it can make a difference but but yeah matt for for most applications no way <laughs> now here's a question for you don i've actually wondered nobody this. would know I've actually wondered this, Don. I've heard that having too much cache can be bad because how it works is a CPU will look at L1 cache and see if it can find the data. And once it can't, then it moves to L2, looks to see if it can find the data, moves to L3, then moves to RAM. And if you are only working with data that will never fit in cache, it has to go through that whole process. And the smaller cache you have, the faster it goes through that process. Is there is that true? That's, that? that's totally legit. That's huh. called uh, cache thrashing. Huh. And and uh, if if your CPU at down at the low level on the like L1, if if uh, if the data is not available, it has to execute a page fault. And, and at that point, it has to dump the cache Ooh. because it has to go to main memory to do a fetch. Hmm. So it's it's possible that, yeah, 
Yeah, totally. So just like how more cores sometimes means worse performance, more cash can sometimes mean worse performance. Yeah, pretty unlikely because they're really, really, really careful about uh, prefetching yeah. and stuff like that. And a lot of, I mean, that's where a lot of the magic is in the new engineering. But but it's actually possible. And, and cache thrashing is awful. <laughs> but that's usually bad code. That's mm. usually bad coding. Okay. Uh, so... Because, you know, all these applications out there have perfect coding. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Like, certainly my code would never do that. Uh, Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) All right. Kelly, what have you got for us? All right. So on the 3D side, it's kind of all over the place and uh, a little difficult to really get solid results. But we'll start with Unreal Engine. Um Unreal for CPU bound stuff is mainly looking at code compiling, uh, shader compiling, um, packaging a product, baking lighting, those kind of tasks. Um, not going to see much performance difference with uh, FPS unless you're looking at like limiting it to 1080p and doing stuff like that, which no one would do um, in our industries anyways. Yeah. So overall scores, we actually see a pretty good lift on all three Threadripper Pros over the equivalent Threadripper standard. Yeah. Um, roughly 9% is what I was getting um, for all three. Well, the 16-core the Threadripper Pro is a little bit faster than the 16-core Ryzen 9 mm-hmm. um, since there is no comparative Threadripper Pro. Um and then this is mainly lifted up by uh, source code compiling, which isn't exactly Unreal Engine. This is Visual Studio compiling the Unreal Engine. Um, but yeah, you'll see a lot of the a lot of improvement there because of the extra memory channels. It's just helping it be able to move that code around faster. Um, compiling shaders is essentially compiling code, but in the engine because shaders is just sort is just code being compiled. Um, so yeah, any code compiling based uh, task is will get a benefit just because of the extra memory channels. Wow. Um, build lighting is kind of a a brute force um, calculation. This one's weird. The thirty two core somehow shot up yeah. ahead of everything else. Um, the non pro. The 32 core and 64 core were equivalent. So on Pro, it got a little bit faster. Um, not sure what is happening within this code that is allowing the 32 core to have like that much better performance, but obviously just the th- extra cores is not helping this use case. Um, Interesting. Which is fine. Uh, packaging product. Uh, this is a combination of like a whole bunch of tasks happening at once. There's mm-hmm compiling code, there's uh, putting, translating it from an engine, like an engine to its own executable, uh, writing stuff to disks, a whole bunch of stuff happening. This, you're not seeing much of an improvement, um, but that's because there's so many other tasks happening. There's a little bit of an overall system thing. It's also not a very reliable 
test. <laughs> I might be dropping it oh. because it's an iterative test. So, or, or a iterative task. So every time you do it, it only recalculates the difference from the last time that it was run. Mm. Okay. So every time I have to do this, I have to like wipe everything off of the hard drive and restart the computer and then run it again. Oh. Um, so it, it's kind of, I'm going to call it a worthless test. So I might be dropping it because <laughs> yeah. like, since it's iterative, no one has these long times every right. time sure. they have It'll it one time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then after that, it would be like 20 seconds and then it'd be done. I'm like, well, this isn't working. <laughs> um, now going to rendering. This is where a lot of people have been looking to Threadripper Pro. Not many people in Unreal Engine decided about Threadripper Pro, even though it does have a help. Um, so Cinebench, um, not actually seeing a performance increase. But I want to put a ca caveat on this that I am not certain that the benchmark is doing enough to take advantage of the extra memory channels at this point. Oh. Um, it, you think I don't it's know if too it, small of a job. Yeah, I think it's too small of a job. I don't, maybe the benchmark isn't optimized yet, but I'm guessing it's too small of a job just to be able to transmit, you know, the benchmark to everyone. Um, they don't want a massive like 20 gig scene or something. Two terabytes. Yeah, because <laughs> no one's going to want to download that to run it on their own computer. So I'm saying you're not seeing much performance increase here or performance difference here with a big asterisk that like your mileage may vary. If you're having a scene where you think you can take advantage of the extra RAM, you will probably see a performance improvement. Mm. At some point, I want to try to look into a way we can better test that, but that's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, because um, I mean, you should be able to just do Cinema 40 within it and then export it, a render a scene, but yeah. it's tougher to automate. Yeah, I would have to then create a scene that would be able to utilize everything. Yeah. Um, single core, uh, no real surprise here. It's a little bit of a drop um, from across the board because it has a slower clock speed. We're sure. expecting that. And the Ryzen 9 kind of blows everything out of the water. <laughs> um, and then V-Ray, exact same thing. Um, <laughs> the performance was equal. But again, I'm betting the V-Ray benchmark just doesn't isn't big enough to really get a benefit out of the extra cores, uh, the extra um, uh, memory channels. And then same thing with running it in GPU mode on the CPU, mm -hmm. not really any difference. So I think I want to just put a big asterisk on rendering performance that the benchmarks, you might not see much of a difference, but I think that's because it's not fully utilizing all of the memory channels, whereas I don't, the, the, as a platform is more exciting for GPU rendering, but okay. once that gets fixed. <laughs> yeah, well, and GPU rendering is such a weird thing right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to get into this. This is about Threader for Pro, not about NVIDIA. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have a couple extra questions. Um, there was one, one that was kind of interesting. Um, so it, to this kind of throws back to the cash cash thrashing. Um, how do you make sure you're not doing that? Let me unmute there. I was typing a little bit. Yeah, um, oh, man, you guys are asking killer questions. I mean, they're fantastic, but really, really, really high, high. Uh, and it's like the uh, one thing that's very interesting, and it's been pointed out by some of the comments. This the uh, the 
this is a very interesting architecture. And my perspective on this thing, I go back, I was, I did a lot of stuff with Opteron back in the day. And a lot of these new AMD processors to me look like quad Opteron. Okay. The, the way that everything is laid out and, and communicating together, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant architecture. It's really quite good. Uh, but it's very it can be very complicated from a programming standpoint if you're going for maximum performance. And just in general on, the, on that uh, cache thrashing and stuff like that, uh, you almost always have to do like really deep profiling and stuff like that, do uh, instrumented analysis to, to see what your code is actually really doing when you be, in order to get down to the cache level optimizations. Uh, but the, one of the main things is like data alignment, you know, that, and it's basically you want to be sure that your data is coming in, that you don't have like like big stride skips and loops and stuff like that. Because when you when that happens, you get it has to go back to memory to get the next data. So you try those are the kind of things that you can do. The compilers will do a lot of that magically for you these days, thankfully. Hmm. But yeah, you almost always have to go deep instrumented analysis to actually get down to the cache level performance. So it's complicated. Yeah. It's complicated. It's over my head. I, say, I rely on the compilers to do really the right thing. And I try to write, you know, good data structure, good, good memory management. Uh, LSR, who on YouTube was asking, um, is there any particular software that we've uh, having a lot of issues trying to certify with Threadripper Pro? At this point, it's not the software. It's the, it's the multi-GPUs. Uh, I mean, just to give... A little taste of what's going on. Like I said, oh, we've got one motherboard where two A6000s work fine in normal or with NVLink, yeah. uh, but two RTX 3090s do not work in NVLink. The NVLink just doesn't show up as being detected, being there at all. And three A3090s work well if we have blowers. We have a handful left, but not like just for qualification. But three A6000s don't work. Uh, you put a third A6000 in and it just won't post. And then we have another platform where three A6000s do work. But what was going on over there when you do uh, one of the motherboard slots stops working when you have that or something? I, yeah. It's just yeah, so you, weird. So you, yeah. So you couldn't use it for a fourth GPU, which, like we were saying earlier, you're not going to do anyway. The wattage is too high. Uh, but we, that means we can't use that slot for like a, a deck link, a Blackmagic deck link card or a 10G networking card yeah. or, or whatever else. And which in certain important. workflows, that's super important. Like that's that's a huge one for like DaVinci Resolve. You do three GPUs yeah. and then you have a deck link video monitoring card. So not being able to do that and that slot just turning off is yeah, not, th there's something wrong. <laughs> so we've got to get through that. Huh. And then I like this one too. LSR was asking how much testing benchmarking have we done on Linux versus Windows? Mine's all Linux. Mm -hmm. Don. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. Don, Don stuff is almost all Linux. And you're trying to port some of your stuff over to Windows, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually actively working on actually getting really good testing benchmarks uh, running on Windows. Uh, a lot of the AMD stuff, uh, like the compiler and stuff like that, right now, it's Linux only. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, but. But yeah, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, 
I'll, I'll take care of uh, uh, the good folks on the Windows side too. Yeah, and, but and yeah, most of me Linux. <laughs> my stuff is almost entirely Windows. A lot of my stuff is Adobe, and right. Adobe works on Windows, Mac. That's it. So no Linux. Uh, but DaVinci Resolve does support Linux. It's kind of weird though right now. Normally how we I would do it is every once in a while I'll just do a Linux versus Windows test, make sure nothing's changed. Generally, it's like the performance is almost the same. Um, so it doesn't matter. But what's weird right now is like DaVinci Resolve only officially supports, I think it's CentOS. And CentOS is doing yeah. some weird stuff and everyone hates them now. So we'll, <laughs> we'll have to see what happens as far as like DaVinci Resolve's official support. Hey, I'll, I'll add that on the Linux side, um, I'm, I, I, uh, was do I'm using Ubuntu 2004 and I used, uh, in the new installer, you can install from, uh, the hardware enhanced kernel, which gets you a 5.8 kernel, um, which is better support for AMD in general. Um, it's probably not critical for the Threadripper Pro, but I would be tempted on a new build, especially if I was a dev. Probably the the 2104 short term uh, Ubuntu coming up would probably be nice for dev work on there because the compiler, all the compilers and everything will be updated and will have a significantly better support. Right on. That's good. There was a, a, a interesting, just more of a comment than a question, and I and I wonder if you maybe guys maybe want to chime in on this. Uh, Outland on YouTube was commented that he's saying seeing a lot of. Pro versus Xeon on websites, but not much Threadripper versus Threadripper Pro. I think and that now, makes sense. And I noticed you guys, I mean, of course, that's just what we do. We're very, you know, comprehensive in that way. You guys did, were comparing Threadripper to Threadripper Pro. Um, yeah, I wonder, wonder well, is, yeah. Is, it, is this more of a Xeon equivalent? Is that kind okay. of the idea? Yeah. It is, but it also has so much similar specs to normal Threadripper, a core count, obviously very similar clocks, that sort of stuff that like we need to know for our customers, which one is the right for different, great one for different workflows. So like clearly, like Matt was saying, we were considering adding a high RAM system for Adobe After Effects. Uh, even before Threadripper Pro came out, we were looking at maybe doing a Threadripper Pro or normal Threadripper system for that. But now it turns out we'll just do Threadripper Pro for that because it's so much more RAM and the CPU performance is basically the same. So we have to test all these things. And when there's something like this that's so similar, we have to know which is the right platform to sell. We don't want to offer like 20 different recommendations for one piece of software because it's just going to confuse people. We try to narrow it down to one to three recommended configurations usually for each application that we build for. Um, and very in very few cases, a Threadripper and Threadripper Pro both going to be the best option. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of other things too. One, we did actually, most of our testing includes Xeon. Um, mm -hmm. So it's in there, the but it, Xeon is just so far behind right now. Um, mm -hmm. they, they haven't updated in so long. Same with like the X-Series. Like if you go on our website, we list X-Series as, as part of our solution. So like this is the right product for this workflow or this software. Almost nowhere is there the Intel X-Series because like Ryzen just blew it out of the water, cheaper, faster, everything. Um, and we're kind of in the same situation right now with Threadripper versus Xeon, where Threadripper is just kind of, you'd only use Xeon if you 
you're doing it for like the platform stability side side of things and performance is not your primary factor. Um, so that's why I think a lot of what we talk about is Threadripper versus Threadripper Pro is because Xeon, it's just not used that much in, uh, when performance is a concern outside of like what Don was talking at the beginning of the stream about like AVX 512 workloads. There, there are specific workloads it makes sense for, but it's not many and not in most of the ones that we test for. And we're unique, I feel, in our industry where we don't just say like, here's all of the different platforms, you know, chipsets you go, you know, configure your hardware, tell us what hardware you want. Like we do that, but it's more to support the solution side of things that we do where we say, no, not what hardware do you want? What are you doing? And we help you figure out what hardware you want. Um, that's just the way we operate as a business that's different than these other ones and why you don't see Thread or why you won't see Threadripper Pro next to Xeon um, on our site very much. Well, I think a lot of like review sites are, they're taking their cue on what to review from whoever's giving them the parts. They're like, mm -hmm. and AMD is probably like, hey, this is equivalent to Xeon. And so like, okay, cool, we'll test it against Xeon. Whereas we're like, well, we want to figure out what the best for this use case. We already know Xeon's not good. So we're going to look at this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of places where the Threadripper, just the regular Threadripper is just going to be great. Yeah. It, it's it's that um, because performance uh, CPU wise down down to the cores is pr really quite similar it, it's the platform is different the memory handling is different so it's it's a different platform and the platform is more comparable to stuff on the xeon side mm -hmm. the xeon has uh, higher memory channels right now current is like six six channels per cpu so a dual xeon has got 12 channels in it and it and there's a lot to like about you know that platform uh, and the ecosystem so but yeah but man AMD's dual Xeon, rocking, man. really <laughs> dual Xeon? like we're talking man, about uh, dual Xeon. Pretty, uh... man i'm 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 uh i'm <laughs> Uh, I Intel's going to come back swinging, man. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. They're going to yeah. come back swinging, and yeah. and uh, it'll be very very interesting. But AMD is on a roll, and it's really nice. It's nice to see. You know, I mean, uh, I, I'm pretty much agnostic, but I, I love the variety and the performance. It's just fantastic. Yeah. It, it feels like right now AMD is as far as Intel on the CPU side as Nvidia is to AMD on the GPU side. Or like AMD GPUs can be great in some stuff, gaming, but in like professional workloads, uh, no, you're going to use an NVIDIA GPU. Like, no, you're just going to do it. And it seems like that's heavily that right now on AMD CPUs, where you're like, you're pretty much going to use an AMD CPU unless you are like, you know, if you have to buy from Dell or something, Dell's probably still going to keep pushing Xeon because they have so much, uh, there's so much around the Xeon brand, mm -hmm. you know, the name and the the reliability, the, the fact that they know what reliability is like, whereas Threadripper Pro, it's new, we don't know. So. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. That does bring us a little bit over our hour. Um, one last thing. Brad says, hey, Matt. Oh, Brad, hey. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you guys would like to mention or, or touch on before we go? Uh, I, I think the only other thing we should say, you might want to put back in the link, the, the link to our landing page. Uh, so like we were saying earlier, we're not selling Threadripper Pro yet because there's still some 
speed bumps we got to get past. But there is a notification form on there um, that just adds it so that the consultants know that, hey, you're interested in Thread Roper Pro. They'll get a hold of you once we uh, once it gets through our qualification and uh, get you into a nice workstation. Because we actually we actually have video cards, which is unique. <laughs> so we at least have that part. So. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, guys. I'll I'll add one thing, uh, Houston. Um, I've you know I I did get a, a you know a day and a half of, of testing on on the thing. It's really not enough. But I it was pretty impressive, and I got some some nice stuff. Um, uh, I've got some I've got charts made, um, but uh, I I probably won't have that post up today. Okay. But uh, you should see my post show up in the, the Puget Systems HPC blog uh, early next week. Okay. Um, and I I probably will delay beyond next week before I come back and revisit it again. Okay. For testing. Cool. All right. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be good. Uh, but thank you, gentlemen, for joining us uh, for today, taking an hour out of the day and giving us a little caught up on what's brand new and what's coming. It's been it's always a good I'm i Every time I learn new new stuff all the time. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. And uh, yeah, thanks to the audience as well. Thank you guys for joining us. We do this every Friday now and um, we have a much more, uh, much more variety. We've added in our support and uh, consultants as well. They are in the rotation and uh, the occasional outside experts. Um, so Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next time.